everybody and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE Podcast. Today is Thursday, December 16th, 2021, and we are talking about last night's AEW Dynamite. Winter is coming. Winter has came. Winter has already come. Winter is become has come to us already. We are talking about Winter is Coming from last night that it had only four matches and a few other little things going on on the show itself, but we have a whole lot to get into. First and foremost, guys, before I play the intro, before we talk about any of this Patreon plug-in stuff, before we get into anything, I I owe you I, I owe you an explanation because all you're hearing right now is my voice. And yes, last week I made a tentative promise of the Ashley man. However, our schedules just didn't end up working out today. But we're gonna have her back on another point. And you can also go check out her own podcast, by the way. Quick side note, if you're a wrestling fan, if you love listening to Ashley Man's voice here on this show, you can check out her own podcast. Just search the name Kick Ash. That is K-I-C-K-A-S-H. Get it? Get it? Because I did. Kick Ash Podcast. Uh, I assume wherever you get your podcasts from. So, yes, if you do like listening to Ashley Mann's voice, if you were if you were just jonesing for it, if you were expecting it on this show, you came on here, you're disappointed to just hear my voice, you can go listen to her on that podcast, Kick Ash, where she's talking about wrestling as well. And um, and we'll try to get her on here at another point and uh, definitely to talk about another episode of Dynamite. However, the show must go on, so we are going to get into last night's four matches, a couple things here and there, the good, the bad, the ugly, an hour-long championship match to open the show right after this. Came to AEW to dominate. Jungle Boy Jeff Perry. Nobody is going to take this away from me. This is mine once again. All right, you guys, like I said, we have a whole show to get into with an hour-long match to kick us off tonight. However, before we get into last night's Dynamite, I'm going to do the quick usual plugs of Patreon, which is only a dollar a month, and you get all these shows ad-free. Just go to patreon.com slash WWE podcast, or you can just download the Patreon app and search the WWE podcast, and we are on there. Again, all these shows, $1 a month. Totally ad-free. You get this show. You get an NXT review with Zach Smith. You get Anthony DeMarco's Rivalries. You get a couple exclusive shows, including Nostalgia. And um, what is the other great show that we have with Anthony DeMarco and Matt? Uh, What If? You get the Raw review. You get the SmackDown review with Michael Ritter. You get the Weekend review. All of this stuff. You get the news briefs with Amanda. You get all of it ad-free. For a dollar a month, or you can subscribe on Apple. If Patreon is just not your thing, on Apple for two ninety nine, and you can get all of these shows ad free as well. So, those are the plugs. That's the plugged. We're all plugged in now. Let's move on to the show because we got a whole lot to get into. And yes, like I said, sadly, it is just me this week. No Ashley Man. Another time. However, 
The show must go on, as I said in the intro. So let's not waste any more time, and let's just start talking about that hour-long match, the longest match in Dynamite history, the longest match in AEW history, Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson. And guys, we're not going to cover every awesome thing that happened in this match. I'm not even going to try to give you guys some kind of recap. But there were a few spots I did want to touch on, so we are going to stop along the way there. However, guys, for the most part, this match, I mean, these guys did an amazing job of building and building and building this match. And I don't really think it all, like, peaked at one point. I think this match peaked a couple times throughout it. And uh, and really, you could almost, you know, break up this match into, like, three or four different matches within one match. I don't know if I'm making any sense there, but like I found that that they had little peaks and I don't even want to call them valleys because I feel like that would be an insult to, to what these guys were doing. I don't feel like this plateaued at any point. I felt like I was completely like I didn't look at my phone once. I didn't do any of that. Like I was completely. That's not true, because if you follow me on the Twitter, you saw me on the Twitter tweeting on the Twitter that. I was right about the time limit draw. So I just want to throw that out, by the way, there too. I, I totally called that. But not that it matters at all because nobody really cares about that kind of stuff. So, yes, I did call that. So I did look at my phone a couple times solely for that reason as I solely, like, I think once we got around the 20-minute mark, I was like, oh, this might be a time limit draw. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, AEW matches are an hour long when they're championship matches, so it's not going to happen. And then I was like, maybe 30 minutes in, I was like, oh, you know what? Probably actually is going to happen. And here we were. So, as I was saying, though, this match, I feel like you could break up into a couple of of three or four different matches because it had little peaks, and then it kind of dipped back down for a brief moment, and then it had another little peak, and then it dipped back down. But throughout the entire match, guys, Brian Danielson, he is like a little mustache twirling heel, uh, just doing the, you know... The beginning of this match was so well-crafted because it made it so, right, these guys could preserve their cardio, which, by the way, we needed to give a quick mention there, too. These guys went for an hour long, guys. I get winded when I go up the stairs, and I'm smoke-free a couple of, almost a month or two in now. What's the date? Yeah, I'm a little over a month smoke-free, guys, and I still get winded going up the stairs. This is not a conversation about how out of shape I am, though. We are talking about how great Brian Danielson and Hangman Page cardio is. Uh, as I speak, I, I know my gimmick is supposedly supposed to know everybody's ages, but I don't know these two guys' ages off the top of my head. So Brian Danielson, I thought so, is 40 years old. And if I remember correctly, Hangman Page is 32. So you feel like if you left this podcast and you didn't learn anything, you learned the ages of these two guys. So there you go. No, he's 30 years old. Okay. Either way, guys, this is a 30-year-old man and a 40-year-old man wrestling for an hour, and I know they say there is no way to prepare for the kind of cardio that you need to actually wrestle a match. You can't do, you know, running, stairs, any of that stuff. Like, uh, it's not the same as the actual cardio that you get and you, your body gets used to when you're actually wrestling. Again, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but I'm speaking from what I've heard in interviews and from what a bunch of other wrestlers have said, that there's just, there's nothing like it. There's no way to prepare for the kind of cardio that you need for just a regular wrestling match. You know, nevertheless, two guys wrestling for an hour long. And so, real quick, I just wanted to credit that. That's something like, I feel like we overlook... I'm going to go on a whole tangent now here. Here here we go. But, like, I feel like we overlook how incredible the things, not just Dante Martin, but how incredible the things all of these professional wrestlers do. Even the most amateur of the most amateur professional wrestlers takes a bump, guys. And I don't know about you, 
but I don't like to fall down very often, and when I do, it hurts, and I don't enjoy it. So these guys do that for a living, essentially. They bump for a living. And the fact that they're able to do that, let alone wrestle for an hour long and bump for an hour long, is something to just behold for a hot second there. So I, I do. I just want to make sure I give these guys all the credit in the world because that is difficult. You know, uh, there's a, a lot of people like to poo-poo on the John Cena-Randy Orton Iron Man match from, uh, I don't even know when that was, in the, in the 2010s, I think. And, yeah, I get it. Uh, it's, you know, it's not your most thrilling match. It's John Cena and Randy Orton wrestling for an hour, so I understand. However, it's still two guys wrestling for an hour. That takes a lot of cardio. Uh, I, I, don't, I barely can stand up for an hour. So <laughs> give give these guys all the credit in the world. I feel like I exposed my my lack of athleticism about six times in the last five minutes. So I'm going to move on down to what I wanted to talk about in the first place here. And that is Brian Danielson and his brilliance. His brilliance in the beginning of this match. How he kind of wastes the clock. And, and this is how I was like, oh, they're going to go for a time limit draw here. But uh, how he wastes the clock in such a wonderful heel way. And he goes and he pushes uh, Hangman Page. And then he goes and hides in the ropes. And he's got that smile on his face where he's not like a chicken you-know-what heel. He's not trying to, like, get out of it. <sighs> Which is, I'm, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about the times that Hangman Page challenged him and he... Uh, didn't accept a match but no he's really he, he still wants to wrestle and he still wants to kick this guy's head in and he still knows he's the best so he's not like this like Miz MJF kind of chicken you know what heel he he knows he's good he just enjoys getting a rise out of people and uh you could really see that with his smile the great facials he had through, throughout the entire match but really in the beginning of this match and honestly I feel like he didn't pick up the pace until way later on when they were outside the ring and he uh until hangman page started to bleed honestly that is really when i felt like uh brian danielson really started to like show his aggression for the most part in the beginning of the match in the first 20 or so minutes i felt like he was really just trying to he was really playing like playing himself up playing a really good arrogant heel and uh being again it's it's hard when you can't swear on this podcast to, to come up with uh to come up with words besides prick all the time. I usually use the word prick, but he was really just being a good, as I'll use a Matt phrase. He was being a great D-bag during the first like 20 or so minutes of this match. So I think I got to get my thesaurus out again, guys, because, you know, that that is that is clearly I, I can't come up with any other words and I'm using the words deep. I'm stealing words from, uh, I'm stealing Matt phrases. So it's time to whip out the thesaurus, but... So, yeah, there was on the out. I, I was started to take notes during this match, and I was like, I just want to enjoy this, what I'm watching right now. I just want to enjoy this as a wrestling fan. But there was a beautiful moonsault, right, from uh, Hangman Page off the top to the outside, right? Perfectly executed. And then this motherfucker goes for the same thing twice afterwards. Twice afterwards. Very opposite. Usually you see like it takes uh one they go for the a move once they can't get it they go for the move the second time they can't get it and the third time they get the move off whatever it is it doesn't always have to be a moonsault but yeah I mean this the first one obviously that he actually did hit looked really really beautiful and then we'll talk about the other two I think later on but I did want to mention that I think you know again similar to what I just said a couple seconds ago but talking about like the cardio and the impressiveness of what these guys do like that's like a blind backflip from a high height and you are trusting this other person to just like make sure you don't kill yourself it's really impressive when you really like dumb it down I feel like we see such good wrestling so much if you're anything like me you watch so much wrestling on a weekly basis 
you almost become numb to this stuff. And I like to make sure I try to remind myself like that. That's really incredible and really impressive and an, and an incredible feat of athleticism. So I don't just become one. I don't I don't ever want to tr- become a greedy fan. Uh, uh, and, uh, there's definitely plenty of us out there that there's very, a lot of people get accused for being greedy fans, probably more than they should, but I'm, again, I'm going to go down another rabbit hole. We're just going to stick on the match. We already got an hour long match to talk about here. Let's just stay focused here. The transitions in this match was the thing I wanted to talk about next. And, uh, this goes for throughout the entire hour, but specifically a couple, couple specific ones I wanted to touch on where... Hangman Page goes for a lariat. Brian Danielson wrestles him down to the mat so flawlessly, smoothly, precisely into an arm bar. And he does it multiple times in the match too, but because this is an hour-long match, you kind of don't get sick of the repeated spot. And it's just so incredible. And there's so many other little spots like this. All of the counters in this match were so smooth and so incredible. Hangman Page goes for a dead eye somehow gets transitioned into a backslide and then somehow Brian Danielson gets him into an ankle lock. It was just like, and you don't, it's like, how did we get here all of a sudden? We just like shut our eyes for a second and then all of a sudden we got here because it's just so effortless and so flawless with these guys, specifically Brian Danielson, who is probably the greatest wrestler in the world right now, without a doubt. And someone you really aren't gonna, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get another wrestler as, as just, I don't think we'll ever get another wrestler like Brian Danielson. I will leave it at that. Um, and the last counter I want to bring up uh, that happened in this match that I just absolutely loved was the pop-up power bomb, or off the uh, Brian Danielson's doing the clothesline thing he does in the corner, you know, where he does the three of them. And on the third one, I feel like all wrestlers should know this by now. Don't go for the third one, the three amigos, whatever it is. Don't go for the third suplex. Don't go for the third clothesline. Don't go for the third kick. It's always the one that gets countered. But um, Brian Danielson's going for another clothesline or kick or whatever he does in the corner. Hangman Page pops up out of nowhere. Credit to Hangman as well in this match. I know I'm talking a lot about Brian Danielson, but hits a pop-up powerbomb that just looks so brutal. So brutal. And, uh, you know, these guys did back body drops off the top rope in this match. There's a point where Hangman Page jumps from the top rope in the ring outside to go through the table. And that looked uh, that looked like a rough bump to take as well. Uh, Brian targeting the arm most of the match or towards like the latter half of the match. Again, this was so long, but the latter half of the match was really, really like rough to watch, but also so fun to watch. And uh, obviously Hangman Page originally bleeding from when he gets pulled into the post. They really are, are driving it home that that is a square post, guys. It is a square steel post. Uh, and if I'm if I'm really nitpicking on anything this match, and this is nothing like the guys had any control over either, but... Hangman Page, I'm going to point you guys back to Double or Nothing. The opening match of Double or Nothing. Uh, originally, fans are back. Jackson, uh, Jacksonville, they're in the they're in Daly's place. And uh, Hangman Page is going against Brian Cage. That's not confusing still to me. Uh, Hangman Page is wrestling Brian Cage in the opening match. And this, I think, happened the rough way. I don't think this was supposed to happen. But Page gets cut open, and he is just bleeding like a you-know-what. Uh, like a gut is it like a government mule is that what jr says uh and <laughs> brian cage i don't think yeah i don't think this is a botch i don't i don't know exactly what happened nonetheless hangman page is just bleeding like you know what and um and i realized in that moment hangman page made the list of my like my weird pro wrestling fan top list again this is like only something i can speak on a pro wrestling podcast where maybe you guys won't think i'm a psychopath you might still think i'm a psychopath but 
uh, my list of like the best bleeders, my mental list. I don't have a legitimate list, um, but like in best bleeders in pro wrestling. What am I talking about? If you think I'm a psychopath right now, let me just give a chance. Give me a chance to explain myself. Cody Rhodes, that blonde hair when Cody Rhodes bleeds, he likes to bleed way too much. It's been a while, though, you know, besides the Andrade match, but he he had a little discipline for a little while. Uh, Dustin Rhodes is another great bleeder because somehow Dustin Rhodes always bleeds every ounce of blood out of his body for some reason in every match he ever bleeds in. Uh, CM Punk is a really good bleeder too. Let me point you to Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk at uh, Revolution. Great match. Again, CM Punk just looks... And, and, and last but not least, before I go into... There's, um, there's so many other people that could be on this list too, by the way. Britt Baker. I mean, she made an entire t-shirt, face, all that stuff. She's on the intro of that face of her bleeding, you know. There's a few wrestlers are, that are just really good bleeders, and Hangman Page is on that list. However, in this match, it just didn't, it just didn't, it didn't flow, guys. It didn't flow. And it wasn't like excessive amounts of, it wasn't like Dustin Rhodes at the original Double or Nothing kind of bleeding. Which, again, totally fine. Totally fine. I might be making that up. Is it all in? I think it's all in that Cody Rhodes and him had that match. That just the massacre, the bloody massacre of Dustin Rhodes. Uh, and that doesn't need to happen every match. But the way Brian Danielson was beating up Hangman's head in this match, like just those strikes with the fists, the kicks, all of that stuff, you felt like you felt like he should have been bleeding a lot more. But for some reason, it just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a bloody night for Hangman. It, it wasn't an excessively bloody night for Hangman. Um, sometimes, like, I think Matt is the one who says this all the time. Sometimes a little color goes a long way in these matches. So, that that's the one thing I can really pick on. Because there was another great near fall off a tombstone. And, and nonetheless, you all know how it ends. If you don't, it's weird that you're listening to the show. But I, I don't give a very, I don't give nearly as good enough of a recap uh, that you should be listening to my voice before watching this show. But Paige hits the dead eye and then uh, the third dead eye in the match because he hits the dead eye on the apron earlier, the dead eye that he doesn't really get a full. I feel like Brian's head hits like the back of his leg, and I wish commentary said something about that. But again, by the way, just want to throw this out here Taz on commentary. I, I literally makes every show, every dynamite so much better. Obviously, we wish Jim Ross. All the best in his recovery, uh, all of his radiation treatments, I think is what he says he's going through. All of the best in his recovery. However, this has nothing to do with him as a person, by the way. I just am, like, uh, subjectively, I just adore Taz on commentary. I think he's so good at what he does, and he adds just enough of, like, just enough personality to it. So, yes, Taz being on commentary throughout this entire show, but throughout this entire match added so much to it as well. And I totally lost where I was going. Oh, the the dead eye. I wish they had mentioned something about that. That's why maybe Brian Danielson kicked out because he didn't really get all of it. So yes, Hangman Page hits the third dead eye and uh, goes doesn't go for a cover for some reason. That little bit funky, but whatever. I'm you've got me in the moment. I'm like counting down. Come on, he's got ten seconds. I'm literally like grabbing my the couch. I'm like, come on, Hangman, just hit the move and pin him. Just hit the move and pin him. Hits the buckshot lariat and does not get to the cover in time. The match ends in a time limit draw. And I heard some people on uh, were on Twitter complaining. I don't care. If you were on Twitter complaining about this, I probably don't follow you. But I heard that there were some people on Twitter complaining about this. Some people online, period, uh, complaining about this. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. You know, you heard the crowd chanting, give them one more minute or one more minute and one more minute because they wanted to see. that. That was the appropriate response that's how I felt give him one more minute but I wasn't mad 
about like I wasn't legitimately mad as a fan. I was mad because I wanted Hangman to win, but I wasn't like, oh, that was a stupid booking decision. You know, no, no, uh, they, they can't commit to a finish. Like, no, 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 no. This was such a good idea. Of course, you have the guy who beat Kenny Omega. And then you have the guy who went to a 30-minute draw with Kenny Omega. It makes sense why Daniel or Brian Danielson would take Hangman Page to a, a time limit draw, an hour long, an hour long match. Uh, I think Brian Danielson is now 13 and 0 and two. I think he's the only person with two draws in AEW, um, and definitely the only person who's had this many draws close together. But I really, really like the decision because they're going to run this back, and I'm super excited to watch them run it back. I, I wonder if they will step it up at all. That's an idea. I, I don't want to see another hour-long Hangman-Brian uh, Danielson match, so I don't know what they're going to do to change it up next time, whether it's just the tone or the vibe of the entire match as a whole. Maybe Brian does something that pushes Hangman too far. I don't know. Uh, I was actually also hoping to see where Brian might go from. Go to here next. Uh, I don't go go from here next. I was hoping, I was excited to see where Brian would go from here next. Uh, more just out of curiosity, but... Uh, I hope they don't run this back right away. I hope they come back to this later on. You know, Brian Danielson got a shot. I, I know it sucks, but he didn't he didn't win. You know, a draw is not a loss, but it's still not a win. So uh, if you don't win, you lose, technically, in my book, is the way I look at it, because he didn't win the title. So realistically, I hope they kind of come back to this later on and they give Brian Danielson something new to do for a little while and maybe we come back around to this at another point. I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think we're going to get the next match sooner rather than later, but... I could be wrong. I'm usually wrong. I'm wrong a lot about it. I'm wrong about a lot of things. Just ask anybody ever who's ever met me ever. I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. But uh, I really, that's kind of my hope because I, I want I want to cool off with this feud and cool off with this match. And I want them to do it round two. That's what she said. I want them to do it round two and uh, come back around to it. And I want it to be even better the next time. Not necessarily the match I'm talking about, but the actual feud. I feel like there are a lot of points in this feud that they could do better. Like, again, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. But I definitely think with these two guys, they could do better. And they will want to do better. And I would like to see in a year's time, maybe, you know, nine months time, we come back around to this. And uh, maybe after the ratings have reset, you know, they do at the end of every year. And we do better the next time. Somehow, some way, right? We managed to just do better with the storyline the next time. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not the booker. That's not my job, I guess. But um, nevertheless, I'm looking forward to it. I just, uh, I think I got my fix for Brian Danielson, Hangman Page right now. Uh, funny enough, I, I, in that moment, I wanted to see one more minute. But right now, you know, as I've digested it, it's Thursday now. I've watched the show last night. I have, I, I'm okay. I can, I can take a little time to, uh, to see where hangman goes next i want more hangman on my tv uh I, I feel like this brian danielson like i said i wasn't i didn't not enjoy the feud but i i think i was expecting a lot more from it in the build-up and um and we were watching the heel wrestle every week but we weren't getting to see the baby face wrestle on dynamite at all uh so i'm excited to see what's next for hangman if it's not brian danielson maybe they bring brian cage back and they run back that third time maybe it's I'm trying to think about who is next up in the rankings. And uh, as I'm looking at this, I don't think any of these guys really make sense considering Kenny Omega is number two in the rankings. Scorpio Sky is number three, and I think Scorpio Sky is going for Sammy Guevara's TNT title. 
Jungle Boy is number four, and I don't think they're going to run that back yet. That match doesn't make a lot of sense, but I, I wouldn't complain. I'd love to see that. And then Miro is number five, but I think we are still holding off on Miro as he is um, in purgatory or something. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Miro. Uh, but yeah, so I, either way, I'm, I'm ex- excited to see what they do next with Hangman before the rankings reset. I think they're perfect timing for the rankings to reset as well. For the women, though, just as I'm looking right now, kind of sucks for Jade Cargill, who's 20-0, and zero, uh, to have the rankings reset. And for um, Thunder Rosa as well, who's 32-3. and three. But, uh, all right, let's move on. Let's start talking about the next uh, match on the show because there there was a lot else that happened here. But, yes, this went from, like, 8.05 to 9.05, guys. You know, this is going to be something that goes down in the history books in AEW, and deservedly so. They did a DDT on the concrete to Hangman Page. Again, this is why I was just hoping for more blood. I was just bloodthirsty for some reason that last night, guys. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. But they did a DDT on the concrete during the commercial break, the picture-in-picture commercial break. Um, the last thing I'll say though, actually, before I move on is, uh, I don't know about you guys, but the commercial breaks kind of kill it for me. I, it's, I just try to pay attention during the picture in picture, but like, it's, you know, all of a sudden I'm looking at Sonic, this amazing Sonic commercial. And, um, they were just, I was just thinking about, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Sonic. If you haven't been to Sonic, go to Sonic, but we don't have one who's that's close enough here. So like when we go to Sonic, we have to like take a little bit of a hike. But for that cherry limeade soda drink thing that they do, uh, it's so worth it. It is so worth it, guys. Screw the food. That drink is so good. So if you've never been to Sonic, go to Sonic and get that cherry lemonade limeade thing, whatever it's called. And uh, you can just tell Mimi from the WWE Podcast sent you and they will give you no discount because they will look at you like you're crazy. All right, moving on now. Away from Sonic. Now I just like got myself totally dazed out from that. But we had the Super Click and Bobby Fish in the back talking about the best friends feud. And they proposed a match on Rampage. They went after Sue here. They went after Sue, guys. And that that messed me up. That messed me. You don't go after Sue and her minivan. Uh, but they said they have a promise for Rampage. No, they have a promise for Christmas. Excuse me. They have a promise for Christmas. Uh, the Christmas Dynamite, the Holiday Dynamite that is next week. But yes, we are getting some eight-man tag team match on Ram. I don't know. I don't care about this feud. And honestly, I want to talk about Matt Seidel versus Wardlow. Because Wardlow essentially just powerbombed Matt Seidel three times and then uh, pinned him, obviously. But Matt Seidel got a little bit more offense. And I want to say Matt Seidel still in the little flurries that he had looked really good. Matt Seidel is such a good hand to have in your locker room. I think he's just such a talented guy, and he's good in any spot you give him, and he's, like, credible enough where you believe, like, this is still, you know, you can you can do this with him, but then you can also put him in that match against CM Punk. He's kind of Teflon at this point. So, like I said, Matt Seidel, just a really good hand, and I want to give him credit because now we're just going to talk about Wardlow and the beast that is Wardlow. Um, comes down, like I said, gives uh, three power bombs. Sean Spears gets on the microphone, tries to tell him to stop, tries to tell him to just go for the pin. They don't work by the hour. Essentially, he's just trying to be a heel because the crowd just wants to see Wardlow power bomb Matt Seidel over and over and over and over again. And then Sean Spears, like I said, tells him that he doesn't work by the hour and then just starts hitting Matt Seidel with a bunch of chair shots. Uh, then... All of a sudden, his phone rings, and what do you know? It is MJF calling him, uh, and he informs him that Wardlow has to go pick up some champagne for MJF to celebrate what is, uh, spoiler alert, his victory in the diamond diamond ring, di- dynamite, di- I'm going to do, do it again this week, guys. The dynamite diamond ring battle royale finals match, you, you, the, the main event. He's talking about the main event. 
Um, and then we get a video package between Penelope Ford and Ty Conti. Because apparently that feud's still going on, guys. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I thought that feud was in purgatory with Miro, but I guess I was wrong. All right, we get a Malachi Black video package where he starts talking about a lot of stuff, which is urge to have violence. And I don't know. Malachi Black starts talking, and at this point I kind of tune out. And, and this is sad because he was so over when he first debuted, and then he did whatever he did with Cody Rhodes, and now I kind of couldn't care less. However, he talks about that uh, – he said something about a king, and from what I have heard – we are getting a Ring of Honor debut soon. Soon in AEW. Maybe as soon as next week, obviously, to go against the Varsity Blondes. And give Malachi Black a tag team partner that isn't Andrade. And makes some kind of sense. I think it's Brody King, if I'm correct. I'm not a giant, like, a, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about Ring of Honor. But if I remember the name correctly, it was Brody King. And a lot of hype behind him. So this could be, this could be, maybe this gives Malachi Black some more oomph that he needed after he somehow lost it, you know, inexplicably, inexplicably with the feud of Cody Rhodes and uh, with Andrade and whatever and Pack. And I don't even know what to call that. I don't even know what it was, guys. But let's talk about stuff that I did know what it was because we had Akara Shida versus Serena Deeb. And this was the match I was looking forward to most coming into this show last night. I know, weird, we have an AEW World Heavyweight Championship match, and I am looking forward to Serena Deeb most, but that shows you how much I just have a spot in my heart for Serena Deeb and what she does in that ring. And this match did not disappoint. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that they got a good amount of time. I was I was scared that they weren't after that hour-long opener, but they managed. They had minimal backstage stuff. And this match had a lot to live up to because those first two matches were really good. And And I don't know if it was the best out of the three, I think probably the second one was my favorite, but this was still a great match. Like I, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't give it the A plus rating, but it was still a great match. And um, I mean, it started off as a brawl. It was different too. It was definitely different than the other two. And when you wrestle somebody so much within a short period of time, you have this like uphill battle of trying to wrestle differently and giving a different style of a match than we've already seen. And uh, this is not, it's not a failure, but I'm going to give you an example of uh, Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega, right? We got the match, the first ever match on Rampage, and it was for the Impact World title. That match rocked. It was awesome. Like, a really good match, right? And then when they ran it back at All Out, the main event of All Out, I thought the match on Rampage was better. And so, like, it's those little situations where you, it's difficult. You're, you're at an uphill battle already if we've already seen the match. And I thought these women, like I said, were already in an uphill battle. If not, they're already in the quarter hour. We already saw an hour-long match. I think this match definitely did not benefit from being on a show with uh, a Brian Danielson hour-long match. I think when you put Serena Deeb and Brian Danielson wrestle very similarly, sim, sim, they wrestle the opposite of differently and um <laughs> when you have an hour long of brian danielson you're not necessarily jonesing for 12 minutes of of serena deeb i am but a normal person probably isn't so these guys started off like i said trying to wrestle a little bit differently than the other two started off as a brawl and serena deeb talked about how the, this was just going to be a fight this time however because it's serena deeb right they end up grappling i will say though that this was this had a little bit more of like a Less, I, I think they knew what they were up against too with that hour-long match with Brian Danielson because this was a little bit less of like a like a grapple back and forth transitioning match like you saw in the first hour of the show and the other two matches that they've had before and this did have a little bit I don't want to use the word sloppy because that's not what I mean but it, it had a little bit more 
not character. What's the word I'm looking for? It had a little bit, the sea, I need my thesaurus. It had a little bit more uh, desperation, uh, a little bit more fire in it. Like it just, it wasn't like a smooth pro wrestling match. It kind of just had a little bit more oh, grit. Oh God, I feel like Edge. It had a lot, a lot more grit to it. And towards the end of the match, there's a great Falcon Arrow counter off of, again, going, I think it was Serena Deeb going for a third suplex, if I remember correctly. It was a third neck, neck breaker. Oh my God, those neck breakers look so, so good. Again, Serena Deeb, just the little things that she puts in all the little moves and movements she does in the ring. There's nobody better in a women's division anywhere in the world right now. And you are, you are listening to the biggest Charlotte Flair fan of all time. I feel like I'm the only one left as well. And uh, there's no one better than Serena Deeb right now. But yes, uh, Sheeta counters the third one, and uh, they end up moving over to the turnbuckle. I don't know who grabbed the... I, I assume it was Deeb. I, I missed that part. But Deeb grabs the, the uh, turnbuckle pad, exposes it. Somehow Sheeta pushes her into it, gets a jackknife cover, gets the one, two, three. So supposedly we protect Deeb, and we Sheeta gets the win, but I don't know. I, I think I would have just like a definitive ending to this match when it's third match of a feud I'd rather just see one person win over the other and and I don't I don't think either woman I I I think actually this is the correct thing as much of a a fan of Serena Deeb as I am I think Serena Deeb can recover a lot better than Sheeta would be able to from this loss but I don't know I, I I don't I don't think um I don't think you needed to protect Serena Deeb with that uh with that exposed turnbuckle if that was the if that was the intention I think you could have just had Sheeta go over clean and uh let's move on to the main event guys which was Dante Martin versus MJF and I am going to have some weird takes about this match I I don't think I don't think I I didn't see a lot of stuff online about this match and honestly when you watch Dante Martin do all this fun flippy dippy stuff it's really hard to have any other opinions than wow this guy is really incredible look at him do all these flippy dippy things and I'm not going to try to recap all of them but I mean, he did all four corners, or excuse me, all four sides of the ring and jumping after the ring. That was incredible. Um, that last one's scary as hell. That uh, shooting star press where he overshot it was scary as all hell, but he was fine, it seemed. But it almost felt like MJF was wrestling slower and not in a good way in like a methodical. It just like, like this match felt very... Like, every bad version, if you guys have ever seen Will Ospreay versus Ricochet, right? Like, every bad version of that match. It felt very choreographed. It felt very like they were in a performance center. They were in training. They were in developmental. Like, the way they were throwing fake punches at each other. And the way, like, oh my god, by the way, Dante Martin's work punches. Whoo, he's got a, no pun intended, work on those. Um, but they, those are so bad in the corner. Like, just not even close. But yeah, the way they were throwing, like, when you are when you throw a fist at somebody or a clothesline and, and the person is supposed to duck out of the way, throw the fist or throw the clothesline and expect your opponent to duck out of the way. Otherwise, it looks really bad. And it looks like that thing that John Cena does before he does the uh, five-knuckle shuffle. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. Uh, and I felt like th- that was a good personification of essentially this entire match. It felt like very... It was definitely a showcase for Dante Martin, but it wasn't a good match. It just wasn't a good match. I thought the actual technical, you know, back and forth between these two weren't wasn't good, and it was masked by a lot of fun, flippy-dippy stuff, but I don't know, guys. We're at a point in time in, in 2021, almost 2022, I can go watch flippy-dippy stuff wherever I want. Uh, I like to see a good story told in the match. I like to see good, fu- you know, good fundamentals 
funny enough, right? I, I, I don't mean to sound like a, like a, I sound like an old white man on this podcast, but I'm, I'm looking for good fundamentals in my wrestling matches. But really, I don't know why I went Southern there too, but I'm looking for good fundamentals and this match lacked it. It lacked, it was like, it was like trying to have, I always go to a food analogy. It was like trying to have cake and sprinkles, but all you did was put sprinkles down and there was no cake on it. If you don't have the cake, you don't have anything to put sprinkles on. I don't know why I went with cake and not ice cream, but I just think about ice cream cake. Uh, and I really want some ice cream cake right now. However, the after the match, uh, we had Sting and Darby Allen, or not Sting and Darby Allen, we had FDR come out. I was like, oh my God, the pinnacle. Nobody said anything about the pinnacle. I just want to throw that out there. I think the pinnacle is just, they're just going to pretend like that never happened. But then the lights go dark and I, I don't know about you guys, but Tony Khan kept talking about surprises and that there was going to be a surprise and you know he was doing his Tony Khan thing on these interviews lately and the lights go dark and I'm like oh my gosh I, I was expecting Kyle O'Reilly and I'm gonna be I don't know why why that would work but I just was for some reason and I wasn't gonna be excited about it because I'm not a Kyle O'Reilly fan he just doesn't do it for me um but no nobody it was Sting and Darby Allen and Again, Sting and Darby Allen are, are over enough to get a pop for that. But I think I and everybody else, I could be wrong, you guys tell me, but I was expecting something. Not a current roster, not a, I was expecting some kind of debut. It was Winter is Coming. Last year we had Sting debut and, and you know, we had Tony Khan talking on all these interviews that there was going to be surprises and more surprises to come. And it was just Sting and Darby Allen. However, I will accept it because it led to the fact that we had CM Punk Darby Allen and St- CM Punk comes out, by the way. We had CM Punk's Darby Allen and Sting, or we're getting CM Punk, Darby Allen, and Sting. They're going back to that. Again, that relationship's still there. Whenever you think AEW drops something, not whenever, because again, where's the pinnacle? But uh, we're going to get MJF, FTR versus Darby Allen and Sting and CM Punk. And I'm looking forward to that match. It felt a little bit weird because they were like, Tony Khan's going to announce a match at the end of the show. And then this happened, and then they had the match graphic right away. It, it, there were a lot of plot holes to all of this, guys. A lot of plot holes. I thought we were going to hear something about the Owen Hart tournament. I, I don't know. But nonetheless, it's still exciting to look forward to. And, you know, I don't know about you guys. Like, when we are watching Sting versus Sting, Darby Allen, and CM Punk versus MJF and FTR, I'm probably not going to be thinking so much about all the plot holes that led up to it versus how incredible the fact is that it's 2021 and this is the match that I'm seeing. So, good stuff to look forward to. I'm going to go try to get myself some ice cream cake. And overall, guys, I really, really, really enjoyed this uh, Dynamite. I thought the main event wasn't great. And uh, we need to figure out what we're doing with, is the opening match the more important part than the main event? I understand why they do that, because the ad break thing. But still, I, I think that needs to be a little bit more fleshed out. Uh, because I don't think the main event was a good match at all. And I, and I think it was the shortest match on the card besides Wardlow, I guess. So, and Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel was in that match as well. All right, guys. I'm going to go see if I can find myself some ice cream cake. You all have a wonderful rest of your week. I will talk to you guys next time on the Dynamite Review Show. Tweet me on the Twitter at Mimi Burris. Let me know your thoughts. What did you think of the main, not the main event, because it wasn't the main event. It was the first match of the night. What did you think about the hour-long match for the championship between Brian Danielson and Hangman Page? What did you think about this weird, were you expecting something different when the lights went out? Because suddenly everybody's using Aleister Black's trick. I, I don't know, but, um. And with all that being said, guys, like I said, have a great rest of your week, and I will talk to you next time.